All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, Total Financial Hour. Now hey, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halby. Thanks for being with us this hour of the program. We talk about your family's finances, of course, helping you out of debt, manage money, plan for your retirement. Listen, a lot of things are going to change. Right, the way you grew up, what you thought was normal, both in Social Security, a pension, working for the government, get that safe and secure job. Remember the, uh, the old-fashioned thing that your parents would say, uh, be a doctor, marry a doctor, be a lawyer, marry a lawyer. Right? That's what they wanted for their kids. Uh, it was boy, girl, it didn't matter. Their goal was to keep you financially successful. And the mindset was doctor, lawyer, or work for the government. It was often about getting out there, getting that job, and don't forget to get married and have children and come and visit me at least once a week. Right? That was the mindset that a lot of us uh, were raised with. Today, though, it's different, isn't it? I, th- I think a lot of us don't realize that those young people that used to go to college and have, oh, a few student loans or maybe nothing – today are coming back, graduating, and having such an an enormous amount of student loan debt uh, that it's forcing them to return home. So we're going to get into that as we continue. I'm Eric Hallaby, Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. Uh, The concept of having uh, why your child doesn't seem to get started, right? Failure to launch, you've heard those terms. Tons of terms in conversation have come out of this. And that changes a lot as we move forward. So we have a special guest joining us today. Before I do that, uh, I want to, before I introduce her, I should say, I want to give you the phone number because the number works all week long, 888-99-RETIRE. While we're here, we forward it to the station. So you get a chance to call in, ask a question, we'd be happy to address it uh, because you just might, you just might want to have a conversation with Dr. Irene. Dr. Irene is joining us, a clinical psychologist, a certified medical person uh, in the world of mental issues, mental illness. Uh, welcome to the show. I'll let you introduce yourself even closer. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you, Eric, and thank you for inviting me to your show. Great. Well, it's a well, great opportunity to talk about this issue from a psychological perspective. You know, uh, Dr. Irene, I've noticed that as we move forward in life, it seems to be a lot of young people, I don't know if they're coming to your... Are they coming to your practice? You're seeing it over and over again. But what are you seeing with 22, 4, 5, 30-year-old young people uh, going on and trying to create this life of, I don't know, trying to create a life by themselves from their parents' basement, their back, back garage? I mean, we're not, we're not seeing this as a start here, and, and we'll pull her up here in just a second. But I want you guys to focus on something. What changes everything about the financial life for you and your family is who you have to take care of. And if you're an adult and you're taking care of your adult children, and then, of course, they get married or they have a child, and now they're moving into the back bedroom, this can, this can financially put some pressure on a family, can't it? Uh, yes, it can. Well, in fact, your introduction actually shows a complexity of this issue, not only for the parents, but for the uh, young people as well. What, what, is this a real issue? Or is this just something that the media kind of drives up because we see it once in a while? Is it an actual issue that needs to be addressed, do you think? Well, I think so. Uh, well, look, the reality is that... Um, the cost of living increased. Mm. And many of the young people, just like you mentioned, graduate with uh, college loans, with a debt. So in considering that particularly, even across the country, but particularly, I think, in California and New York, the 
cost of rent going up. The cost of uh, housing, average housing, is going up. So the young people who were able, let's say, in 50s, uh, and were expected to, in fact, to graduate, get married, start family, and move on their own, yes. are no longer expected or can or able to do that. So I see the impact on the financial side where the parents come to me. They say, well, we were going to retire, but we're just waiting for our son to move so we could sell the house and move out. In fact, I've actually had two clients. You guys have heard me say this before maybe, but I've had two clients who have physically moved to get away from their adult children because they said, hey, it's time to go. All right, no, I'm good. Uh, oh, and by the way, what's for dinner? <laughs> you know? And they do their laundry. They, it's as if, so finally one day, I'm one I'm thinking of particular, she said, listen, my husband has passed away. I have this huge house. So she put a for sale sign up. The son didn't, uh, the grandson, in fact, is what it was, but she raised him as if it was her own. Didn't believe it. And then one day, the moving truck was there, and she said the look on his face was absolute disbelief because she had spent years telling him, it's time to move on, I'm going to move, I'm going to move, and finally she did it. So I see it on the financial side. What do you see as the dynamic, the relationship between the parents and the child? Uh, well, I, well, I think there is... Um, one of the issues that when the parents allow their children, well, their adult children, sure. uh, move back to, to the home, uh, for, first of all, let's, let's pause. Let's take a look at what drive the young uh, graduates yeah, to, stay. Um, to move back home. Well, it's not just a financial issue, in my opinion, although I do think that it's a, it's a primary issue because a lot of young people don't know how to invest, don't know how to save money, and so that's create a lot of insecurity. In fact, what I hear from young people who come to me and from the children of my friends and the people I know is that they afraid of failure. Wow. There is a fear, fear of isolation, fear of being lonely, and fear of not being able to succeed. So a lot of young people graduate without sense of security and sense of confidence. And I mm. think there are a lot of reasons for it. You guys, we have seen this affect your retirement choices, where you live, how you live. It used to be that you would say, oh, I'm going to live with the child, close to the child who has the most grandkids or any kids that have grandkids. And that was always the determining factor. And now it almost seems like somebody's got an, ank uh, an ankle uh, uh, weight, right? And your child is, adult child is holding your leg and kind of pulling you back and saying, hey, listen, I know you want to go out and retire, but just give me one more year, one more month. Uh, the, the adding insult to injury, and for those of you that are adult kids still living at home and you're listening, think of this. The insult to injury is when you're not paying for your share of the mortgage, rent, and you go out and buy a fancy new car, you come in with your big fancy laptop, you go out and you say, hey, uh, take a look at my new clothes, look at my new watch, my new jewelry, my new purse. And let me tell you, your parents aren't going to tell you this to your face. But behind the scenes, they feel hurt, abused, used. And they say, you know, this just isn't right. I, I thought you were supposed to be you know, I'm doing this to give you a head, heads up, not so that you can go out and buy the fancy car and boat and plane where I can't even, you know, retire. I still have to go to a boss and a job that I don't like. So we're seeing that. Yes, that's true. And I agree with you. However, I think a lot of these problems emerge because there is no clear communication and agreements between the parents and their adult children before they move in. In my opinion, and that uh, what I found in my practice, communication is a key. I think that the parents should have a clear agreement set up with uh, their junior. So almost like a contract. I absolutely agree. Where the issues of financial contribution will be discussed, whether or not they're going to pay even nominal rent, how the errands going to be handled, whether they're going to wash their car on their own, whether they're going to put the gas in their car on their, on their own, who is going to do their laundry, whether or not 
uh, they're going to participate in family dinners and how often, whether or not they can go without letting their parents know that they're not going to sleep at home, which is a prerogative for the adult, would we say? Yeah. Right. That's interesting. I was just thinking as you were saying that, uh, you know, you come downstairs in your pajamas as, an, as a father or mother, and in there is a beautiful young lady that is not your daughter <laughs> wearing somebody's uh, long sleeve shirt, and you're thinking, who are you and why are you in my house? You know, this is... As you mentioned, a prerogative if the adult child, male or female, decides to invite the opposite sex or the same sex over, and that is their uh, fun, right? Whether it's a, we're going to have a barbecue in the backyard, so you're taking my backyard to have a barbecue for what? Now, if it's your home, if it's a, then communication. Hey, mom, hey, dad, do you mind if I have four or five friends over on Saturday for, no, no problem, we're going to be gone anyway. So I think that, that communication leads to one word. And when we've spoken about this before, the word is respect. Absolutely. I agree with you. Respect your parents. Now, it's also um, something, well, it's also what will prevent um, conflicts, what would prevent frustration on both parts, and would allow this time not... Mm, let's say, a time for the younger generation to grow, to feel confident, to feel more secure, to learn a value of yeah. good communication, respect for, uh, uh, to keep their promises, respect to keep the agreements, and essentially will help them to develop such values such as integrity, responsibility, accountability that we believe actually help people to succeed, isn't it? It's, it's so fascinating because the young people, if they're part of a team, they're part of a relationship, they're part of a, a process, I think it can change because their value is incredible. But there's a self-worth that begins to diminish when you have them sitting at home. They're not working. They're not contributing to the family. They're not mowing the lawn. They're not cutting the trees. They're, they're not watering the grass or picking up after the dog. You know, the basic things that a younger, maybe teenager might do. And they're just thinking that their job is to just hang out and create, I don't know, just exist. So one of the things that I found fascinating when researching this topic is that the impact on the adults goes beyond it and can even transfer to the grandchildren, meaning later on in life if you have grandchildren, or most, most importantly, when that son often is at home and he has two or three kids either out of wedlock or he's divorced his wife, where are those kids going to stay? And now you're telling a grandparent who is going to be a grandparent on occasion and help out on occasion, you're now saying, you don't have a social life anymore, mom, so that I can work 12, 15, 18, 20-hour days because I'm trying to help out the family. And his family that he's talking about are his one or two or three children. And now the mom privately says to me, this is ridiculous. How, how am I supposed to live? I raised my children. I love my grandchildren if they need something. So then there's guilt and there's shame. How do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? I shouldn't. But... How am I not supposed to still be a little bit selfish? I understand that conundrum. Folks, I'm talking to Dr. Irene. You're listening to me, Arif Halaby, on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-99-RETIRE. As we continue with Dr. Irene, clinical psychologist, a chance for you to ask any questions for sure about this failure to launch. Now, it's not as much as you might think because there is some concern for the safety you had mentioned, anyway. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Interestingly enough, that uh, quite a number of parents who express concern about this type of arrangement stated that, well, look, very few fresh graduates can afford renting an apartment, let's say in Los Angeles, in a safe part of town where the crime is rampant. So that consideration... Uh, force, or rather force a lot of parents to open their homes for the fresh graduates to return so they can provide them with the safety and security. Almost like a business relationship, guys. You know, if you have a partnership and you're sitting down with your 
business partners on for a quarterly meeting or a semi-annual meeting and you're sitting down you're saying here's what we have here's our our domestic market and this is how our expansion and our marketing budget you're really putting that together in a business there isn't really much of a difference i think if there's a plan and process i think if there's a, a an opportunity for them to grow their wealth right for me it was about going to school and having a job because how i was raised my dad didn't say that i had to be out at 18 that wasn't our process that wasn't our our family in fact my mom and dad probably would have allowed me to live there today if they if they uh, could have their ways because they enjoyed family but they also enjoyed respect and they never wanted to be disrespected or feel like they were being used i guess so there's a little bit of the cultural tell me what you're thinking culturally because certainly in california and in la we are different uh, we have many different cultures mixed in. So you have the old country, you have immigrants, you have first generation. What are you finding with any changes there? Well, very good point. In fact, you made several points. So let me address the the, the last point you, man, uh, you made. Yes, in fact, I agree. Uh, growing diversity and multiculturalism that, in fact, uh, is very aggressively being promoted in, in the last decade, I think contribute to a, a growing uh, phenomenon of multi-generational families. Look at this. Within, well, since 70s, I'm an immigrant from the Soviet Union. Um, and in Soviet Union, adult children were expected to live with their parents, well, for a variety of reasons. One thing, that you could not afford to live on your own, then you didn't have even opportunity to live on your own because you couldn't get your own apartment. However, overall, expectations for the adult children living with their parents are quite prevalent among the European cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, and Latin cultures, which immigration lately, well, in the last, I don't know, 20 years, let's say, significantly increased. And that acceptance, now, it's also become much more accepting within um, main media. Uh, Look how many shows on TV actually uh, uh, have the multi-generational families with a various ethnic background. So that make it much more accepted. It's almost like, you know, life imitates art and what's the process of uh, watching some of the sitcoms or some of the TV shows, certainly the popular ones. They're really coming through this, this change in our culture where there is a little bit more, if I may say, promiscuity, where you have the kids showing up with their uh, hookups, you know, in the back room and, and the parents walk in on them. You have the, the, the systems where the, the kids seem to disrespect. It isn't the, the old-fashioned mindset. Father knows best and, you know, if, uh, at least the TV version of the Cosby show, not his personal life, where I <laughs> was a pig. But can you say that? I can. Uh, I just did. Well, I was a pig so. in a... <clears throat> in any case. But when you go through life... And you see how it reflects in some of the pop culture. You also see on the same side that enough people, I don't know, is it, is it the chicken or the egg? What's coming first? Is it because Hollywood is full of such a liberal bastion of folks that really are multi, uh, maybe cultural, but monolithic in their political and social viewpoints? And because they spew out these shows to the rest of the country... They call it normal because they see it in their backyard and around the corner. But I've traveled to many other parts of the country, and you don't see the same part of the – certainly not the, the social liberalization of, of you know, the kid coming in and doing what he wants. But maybe in the Midwest and in other places, are they still living at home? And if they are, is it for the same reason? Um, I'm not sure. I think that uh, Midwestern culture um, is somewhat different from the uh, coastal cultures of California and New York. However, I wouldn't be uh, an expert on that yes, issue. Yes, that's not your area. How, but you did make a very interesting point. You mentioned that um, the expectations, cultural expectations, uh, change. Yes, I think that it's 
um, in my opinion, is also a very significant um, reason for spreading of this phenomenon. Look, in 50s, um, as we both actually mentioned, uh, young people were expected to graduate married and start the family. Yeah. There is no longer expectations from the young people like that. Look at this. Majority of the young people do not even marry until they're 30 and above. Um, another thing is I think culturally um, it's changing because, well, uh, it's not just my opinion, but I think there is certain feminization of the man in our society. What I mean by this that men are no longer expected to fill a traditional role of the provider and the protector, particularly with increase in uh, feminist movement. I agree. I think we see that as a father of two boys and a daughter. I have seen that, that we have to almost fight against. It's like we're swimming upstream some of the conversations that are had on a regular basis in their schools, including private schools, Christian schools, uh, churches, youth groups. It's not just sending your child off to liberal arts school like Berkeley or sending your child off to a school like uh, you know UCLA where it's so liberal you can't even think differently or you're accused of all sorts of things. Part of this liberalization of the, from a financial standpoint is a female is now looking to take care of herself. Now, I want my daughter to take care of herself financially. I'm not interested in her hafting, having to have to need somebody. But there's a partnership, and there's a way to repel the other side. And we have seen psychologically that when that happens, women don't have children until later. And when they do, they don't seem to have very many children, one or two, boy, girl. Get their boy, get their girl, they're done. You don't seem to have... The old school where there were six, seven, eight children, you know, I grew up from four. My mom had uh, five, six in her family. My dad had, I think it was 11 in his family. You know, so that, that mindset. And today, of the four children my parents had, there's only five grandkids. So if you were to, to have done the math and just said the average, maybe they would have had 20 or 25. But there's only five. Well, I agree So it's changed you. a lot. I have uh, two boys, ages, um, well, rather... Two young men, yes. ages 29 and 24, and neither of them are married or even planning to get married in the nearest future. So I absolutely agree. It, it is a kind of a growing phenomenon. Uh, I think that, that there's a lot of other issues contribute really to that. Um, look, the generation of the baby boomers um, grow, grew and uh used uh, work ethics and values of uh, struggle, hard work in order to succeed in life. I really don't see the generation of millennials sharing this work ethics and work values with their parents. I was talking to some friends of mine the other day, and, and we were driving to, um, to see to the theater. It was a great Great uh, show if you get a chance to see the Carol King musical. We had a chance to go to this theater. We, we were talking. I said, you know, isn't it interesting? Today, my, my kids, we don't have a chore day, you know, where we – every weekend, I think it was either Saturday or Sunday, but we would wake up and we'd all have a list to do. There were four kids and we had an 1,100-square-foot house. It wasn't very large. Two bathrooms, three bedrooms, one living room, one kitchen, and one dining room. And we had to each pick a room. And we had to clean, vacuum, pick up, dust. We had to pick a room. I picked the bathroom because I, I always thought that I would wanted a clean bathroom. And the only way to get a clean one is to do it yourself. So we each had a different room. And sometimes we would rotate. Today's young generation, we have a housekeeper that comes in once a, one, once a month, once every week, a couple times a week, depending on your financial status. But the same thing happens with laundry. You know, we grew up where usually laundry was done by two or three people in the family. Today, young people don't seem to do their laundry as much. They're now expecting it to be done. We grew up where 
a lot of us were what's called latchkey kids where your mom and dad worked outside the house and you would come home, you'd pull on a shoelace that, uh, that key from over your neck and you'd open up the front door and you'd prepare your own lunch or dinner. Your mom might call at 3.30 or 4 o'clock to make sure you arrived home okay. Get your homework done. Clean up this. Make sure you take care of your sister. I'll be home at this time. I agree. Changed completely today. Absolutely. But then, look, we're going back to an issue of safety. I grew up in the Soviet Union, and still I have very similar experiences as you did. Uh, We were coming ourselves home. We took care of our own meals because our parents worked. And we felt very comfortable walking, you know, taking public yeah, transportation. Yeah, playing in the park. Yeah. Absolutely. No big deal. Absolutely. Now, I think that, well, going back, you mentioned that um, where the uh, young adults taking advantage of their parents, so to call hospitality while living at home. Well, we go back to the contract or to the agreements. Look. I think that the experience could be mutually beneficial for both parties unless the parents prepared um, to enforce the consequences that they actually Very difficult agree. to do, folks. You yes, imagine kicking your kids is. out on Christmas Eve. Yes, we'll, it is. We'll be right back in just a second, folks. Stay with me. I'm Eric Hallaby. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. This is AM870, The Answer. Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour with special guest Dr. Irene. We'll be right back. Now higher income strategy. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. All right. Welcome back to the show. Boy, we are live. Thanks for staying with me as we talk about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. And look, a lot of this is trying to understand this new phenomenon of young people living at home. That's why AIM 70 The Answer is bringing to you Dr. Irene as we talk about uh, this phenomenon of young people after college. Now, listen, sometimes when you're moving back home, it's because you didn't finish your degree. We understand that. We understand you have student loan debt without the thing that you purchased, and now you're stuck. I'm going to give you my conclusion, my uh, observation of why I think things need to change. All right? Here's what I think. You need to have the universities cover the cost. Where else do you go and purchase a product and the people that sell it have zero responsibility to deliver? I mean, do you understand that? I'm going to go buy a car. doesn't matter if it works or if it does or doesn't. It's the government responsibility to now pick up the car. But the the car dealership, they get all the cash. Done. Thanks for the money. You wouldn't do that. I'm going to go buy a house and the home builder, brand new house, great. It's falling apart. And it's the government's responsibility and the home builder rides off into the sunset with the cash. You would say, that's ridiculous, Eric. That would never happen. That's exactly what's happening with your college education. The school is not responsible to deliver and, and have you receive a quality product. Their job is just to make sure you have a wonderful gym, safe spaces, teddy bears and nap rooms. I don't want you to get too, too worried because we're not going to use any trigger words. And if we do, all you have to do is say the word you're offended. You get to take a break. Can you imagine you are mortgaging your house? You are saving money so that one day your kid can go as you've raised them to be an adult and be pampered and told every one of their, their wildest emotions and feelings needs to be justified, supported, and everybody else must cater to them. And by the way, don't worry about trying to exist in a current world. What? When did that become okay? You guys, we are counting on this generation, you and me, to put into Social Security, to put into the pension system. Because you realize if they do not, then when you're taking out in 5, 10, 20 years, those young people who may or may not feel like having a job, they, by the way, will not be putting into the system because they see it as a sucker's bet. They said, why would I ever do this? It's a guaranteed lose. A lot of young people have seen their parents lose 
their home, their vacation home, their, their rental property during the 2008 collapse. Some of them are old enough to at least hear the stories, if not be there, for the financial and economic collapse also of 2000, and, uh, 2000 2001, and two. So now you have a young person who saw their parents' 401k drop through the floor in 2008 and nine. They saw them lose their rental property and, and retirement security. And now you're saying, I know, but all you do is just keep doing what I did. Is that not insane? And instead of encouraging them to understand how to build a financial uh, success story for themselves, you guys are often bringing them into the house. Listen, I think you should not have what you call your retirement security in a place that can go down and is counting on Junior to get up off the couch and go to work. It's counting on Susie to work longer than she said she was going to work. I, I don't do that. I, I love all those kids. I have three millennial types, if you will, at the ages. They're wonderful people. But I think I want to count on myself first, my church and charities to take care of me after my family. And fourth, all right, then I'll count on the rest of you guys. But the government is like fourth, fifth in line. My wife and kids, my family, extended family, church, charity, those are the things that those are the institutions I want to cover me first. If you guys don't encourage that at a young age, and in fact, if they hear you over and over, my boss is a jerk. I hate my job. I can't wait. Oh, but by the way, kids, you should try it too. <laughs> they go, wait a second. Weren't you just telling me that it was a horrible thing to do? Yeah, yeah, I know. But what I really mean, Realize the conversation that happens within your four walls. Your kids, how, whatever age, grandchildren, whatever age, are listening to you. And this is not something that you should leave to the schools because they are not going to teach them anything about financial success. They're not, they should be teaching reading, writing, arithmetic. And instead, they're talking about social justice. And if I told you a story about a school district in Orange County, and what they did to teach 6th, 7th, 8th graders Spanish, it would blow your mind. You're like, oh, Arif, all right. Okay, yes, I will. I'll tell you. Very straightforward. Translate from English to Spanish. Jimmy stole a car. Was it... I believe it was okay. I'm going to paraphrase this part. I believe it was okay because Jimmy stole his dad's boss's car. Is it wrong to steal your dad's boss's car? Do you see the social? Translate into English and Spanish. Normalizing criminal behavior. Normalizing the idea of class warfare because it's the boss. The boss. The boss is bad, remember? It's taking the next level and if it wasn't for a client who was incensed, incensed, and he said, Arif, that's the tame one. And so he went to the school district and he sat there and he spoke to the principal and the teacher. And you know what she said? I still don't see anything wrong with it. Exactly what are you talking about? What's the problem with this? Is that not 1984? Is that not the up is down and left is right? And So you guys, it comes from the home. If you were... Fortunate or unfortunate, it depends on your kids, I guess, and your situation. To have your young people still at home, to have your adults still at home. Dr. Irene has brought up something. I'm going to bring her back here in just a second. She had brought up something that I have never thought of, and that is sitting down and having communication, of course, but agreements and a contract. And you can call it anything you want. You can call it agreement. You can call it, uh, 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 what is it, uh, social principles, guidelines. If you're not going to come home by midnight, you give us a call. Why? Just because, listen, you should be calling your roommates. Hey, don't expect me. Hey, I'll be late. Right? Things like that, that that you and your family find important and valuable. I think that's important. Let me bring Dr. Irene back in. Dr. Irene, thank you for being with us today. Uh, she's thank talking you about me. your family's finances from the social aspect as a clinical psychologist. If you have a question for her, give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Okay, that's uh. By the way, for those of you, it's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. I know it took me a little bit. Nine nine seven three eight four seven. All right. 
Doctor, I mean, one of the things that we have seen over and over again is that many things conti- uh, contribute to this phenomenon of young people moving back home. And one of my observations has been that a lot of times they are successful, professional. In fact, making 50, 60, 70, 80,000 a year. I had a lady this week who said, oh yeah, my son makes about 85,000 a year. He's working in the uh, uh, basically electronic, electric engineer. I thought, wow, that's a, that's a big job, man. And yet in her mind, it still wasn't enough. Just wasn't enough because he's paying off some debt and he has to do this. And so she, I find her starting to be, uh, what do you call it when the, when the abused spouse justifies, uh, basically makes excuses, you know? You mean like a battered woman syndrome? There you go. <laughs> I need you to coin something because then right now, right here forever, you have to think of a, of a battered or the abused or the, the, uh, taking, it, the taking advantage uh, parent syndrome. I don't know. Pick, well, the, pick the word that your educated mind will come up with. <laughs> well, it's a very interesting point. Um, interestingly enough, that it just reminds me that several young people I talk with uh, stated that despite the fact that they enjoy a comfort and security of their parents' home, they agreed that when the parents become permissive, that causing decrease in sense of responsibility that promotes insecurity. Um, it doesn't really help to develop sense of confidence. So the, the adult children are recognizing that it does stunt some of their social and, and certainly their, phys- their psychological growth, I guess. Yes. Well, not everyone will of recognize course. that, yeah. but at least those who do um, well, that's what I was, um, I was told, and that's, that was an issue with, well, particularly several, several families that I dealt with, the multi-generational families where the young people actually moved back home after graduation. So I lived with my parents in their, some of you know my story, in their garage until I was, from 18 till I was 23. My reason for doing it, and I had a conversation with my dad and mom about this, I remember was to save money to buy a house. Very good reason. So I saved money, bought a house. I went from my parents' garage, their home, if you will, to my own home. My wife moved from uh, southern, south, uh, south San Diego area, moved up, went to school in the San Fernando Valley, graduated, but she left at 17 and never went back. So she had lived with roommates and, and various kind of living conditions and moved into a home. She was 21, I was 23. She still had a year left of school. And we bought a house together. And that was our life. And that mattered to us. We still had four years before we had children. But it mattered to us because our parents, instead of feeling like we were holding their ankles, they were, we, they were assisting us and kind of boosting us up into the next generation, into the next generation. And one of my parents helped me a little bit with the house. And her parents helped with the wedding. And that was how we were able to kind of get a, get a push into the next part of our life. It wasn't easy. You know, I remember there were times when uh, we would scrape together the money for the, da- for the mortgage payment. And then son of a gun, four weeks later, that's, that thing came in the mail again. I was like, you're kidding me. We, didn't we just pay this? Yeah, four weeks ago. It's like, how long is this going to go? And it said 359 payments left. I thought, what? Well, I can relate to that as an immigrant myself. Um, I came to the United States in 1980s. Now, we settled in Houston, Texas. Now, interestingly, there, uh, while working at the hospital for 5 to $6 an hour, wow. I was able to rent one-bedroom apartment in quite decent part of town and be able to live independently, however modestly, of course. Sure. Is days, the, do you think the expectation is they, that the young people who have a part-time job, maybe they're independent or they're a screenwriter or a musician. I see that a lot. You know, I'm creative. I'm a screenwriter. Uh, Okay, that's nice. Do it at night and get a daytime job. You know, they seem to have, uh, I'm trying to create something. Okay, I get you're trying to create something, but you need to be working Monday through Friday, nine to five or, or the weekends and, right? Even actors and actresses, well, 
will work, if you will, as the stereotypical job as food servers, but they still have a job to, pa- to control and, uh, and pursue their passion. What I don't want to see is young people that are in this circle, right? It's just like this, this thing, they're chasing their tail. Because the level of addiction to uh, video games, the level of addiction to isolation, the level of addiction to social media probably is on the increase. Tell me your thoughts. Very good point. In fact, I think that um, increase in um, all this sort of digital media and a look at also so many devices. Well, let me give you an example. So I uh, observe a group of young women uh, sitting around the table on a patio of the restaurant, all holding their cell phones. There was no conversation. Wow. There was no interaction. Occasionally they would giggle, I guess, uh, in response to whatever they were sending to each other. But for however long I was sitting there drinking coffee, they did not interact. How is that? Uh, if not increase in social isolation. In fact, I hear more and more, I have several young people who come to my practice with the issue of loneliness, social isolation, even if they do not have an issue uh, with finances. Um, Look how many young people, millennials, well, as well as our generation, uh, now using online dating services in order to meet people. We have seen this with a lot of senior citizens. They'll retire and they'll immediately leave the job market and they'll retreat back. And I, it, psychologically, this is a, a layperson's observation, but it seems to be when you are engaged in a conversation, debate, whatever it might be on social media, you then in turn believe that that's happening between me and you. In other words, if I'm doing it in front of me and you're sitting across from me and doing it on your thing, at the end of a half an hour of not really talking, I'll look up and go, well, it was great. It was great having you here. Great. It was a nice conversation. Because I think both of us will think and relate that I see you but I, and I feel emotions from that conversation and therefore I'm transferring it off to you. It's almost as if there's this ESP thing or this you know thing going where we both kind of think that we're come to an agreement on something, all because the interactions of social media at the same time. The tool has overtaken us. Very true. And I think that uh, as a consequence, a lot of young people have difficulty with communication, difficulty with the conflict resolution, uh, are extremely sensitive and do not know how to handle various situations at work and have a difficulty actually dealing with the personal issues. Consequently, I see quite a several young people, well, young, you know, in their 30s, 30s for yeah. example, who have difficulty getting and maintaining relationship. And I'm talking both women and men. And that personal experience of going on and, and seeing that next layer, right? It almost as if we walk through this process and feel like we have no choice because the rest of the world is doing it. We're being bombarded by the conversations that are happening with uh, social media, with the the sitcoms, with the news stations, whatever it is, our educational groups. And we start to see when we sit down and we walk through this process of trying to grow our, our young people, it's as if somebody's putting a lid on it. Well, it's very often becomes a substitution for the actual relationship. Yes, it does. And give me some solutions for it. We have about 10 minutes left. I want to know what are some of the solutions that young people can have as they start to move out? And then what have you seen for adult uh, adults, uh, what, what would I say, retirees of adult children that are trying to go through and say, hey, I, I've got to get these kids out? What can we do? Well... 
Well, we can do probably a lot of things, but I think that it's very important to recognize that the influence of the parents on their children actually diminishing with increase of influence of the uh, mainstream media and culture of the colleges, which have very often undermined the parental values. That's which right create a difficulties. Now, um, when we, well, as we discussed in a prior segments, I think that it's very important that the parents do communicate with children. Now, clearly defined limits, clearly defined boundaries, clearly defined expectations, so clear communication is a key. So Dennis Prager would love me for that. Yeah, I, I think part of the a statement of understanding, right, where you sit down and you say, let's go through, what do you want this relationship to be? And you write it in your piece of paper. I'll write it in mine. And then let's switch. And let's compare. And then let's build that agreement, whether it's a contract, whether it's a memorandum of understanding. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something that you call a beginning, middle, and end. Right now, here's where we are. Sure. Here's how we know if we're on track. Well, I think that a lot of parents have a difficulty seeing their children struggle. Let me tell point. you, yes. as an in conclusion, um, a story. It's an old Indian story. Uh, do we have a few minutes? Sure, we have about three. Okay. A young boy walked on the street, and he saw Guru, a wise man, sitting on the side of the road, holding a strange object. The boy said, what is it you're holding? And the guru said, well, but it's a cocoon, and inside the butterfly is getting to be born. Oh, said the boy, I never seen butterfly being born. Can I have it? Yes, said the guru. However, with one condition, you will not break the cocoon no matter what. But of course, said the boy, I promise, and off he goes. Time passed, and back runs the boy, and in his hand is broken cocoon and a dead butterfly. Ah, said the guru, you broke the cocoon. But you see, said the boy, the butterfly struggled so much inside the cocoon. I felt so bad for it. I really wanted to help it. I opened the cocoon, and the butterfly flew out and fell dead on the ground. But you see, said the guru, the butterfly had to struggle inside and beat its wings so it becomes so strong that it breaks the cocoon walls and be able to fly on its own by not allowing to struggle and to become strong. You did not allow it to be ready for the outside world. You know, that explains a lot for you and I because both of us have had completely different experiences but both various levels of struggle. And when, so, when, when somebody might look at you and say, Dr. Irene, you're so successful. Oh my gosh, look at what you have. You're so lucky. And you say, well, no, 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 don't you understand? The struggle is what made it so I didn't give up. The struggle is what made it so that I had an opportunity to succeed. The struggle is what really made my wings strong enough to fight, to succeed, to win. Folks, I want you to always go through, through your life pretty regularly. Maybe that's what you do on a Sunday. Maybe it's what you do in an afternoon on a Saturday. And you sit and you say, I'm just going to pause and reflect. What can I do? What can I do to help my situation? Look, financially, if you don't plan and prepare, especially if you're not willing to confront the problems, not enough savings, uh, too much debt. You're satisfying that need, if you will, to spend money in order to feel like you're worthy or you've got something to do. I want you to avoid that. And it's going to have to happen with the conversation because the, the, the sitting down with the young people, with the adult young, and I listen, if you have more than one at home, I would recommend you sit down with each of them independently. And you have a conversation. Take what we've talked about. You can pull the podcast. You can pull our, our Facebook Live video and have a conversation with them and say, hey, here's what I'm finding. What do you think? And they're going to tell, oh, no, life is good. I wouldn't do anything. Oh, I don't have a problem. Well, yeah, because you're not doing anything. Listen, next year, you've heard me talk about how the solar energy crisis, you are the one that are putting solar panels. The, uh, the company gets it for free. 
and they've now sold it to the other parts. They've sold it to other parts of the country. And in fact, they've actually given it away for free about a year and a half ago, uh, March and February, I believe it was, or February and April. I think it was March and February. They gave it away for free. And then in some cases, they had to pay Arizona to take the energy. You go, Eric, what does that mean? It means they're changing the whole system. And starting next year, your electric bill is going to go up, not a little, but a lot. And your adult young person who's sitting there is going to look around and go, man, I didn't think it went up at all. Life is good. I didn't feel a thing. Well, yes, that's because you're the one who's paying it. You want to say, listen, guys, I I, I love life. It's good. It's exciting. I'm having a good time. Uh, I'm getting ready to retire, kids. So what are your plans? Because I have two years left to retire. And I need a year without you here because I have to get the house ready to, to sell. Now, that's a tough conversation, but I encourage you to have it. Folks, you can always get a hold of Dr. Wright and get a, get a hold of her through us by calling 888-99-RETIRE. You can go to TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions, tfswealth.com. Our job is to build strategic guaranteed income. Get right away from the craziness and, and the conversations that are so confusing our job is to keep things simple and easy to understand. That's what we do. If we can help you, it would be my pleasure, my, my privilege. We have an office here in Glendale and certainly in Santa Clarita. We even meet some of you down in the Long Beach area. We have an office down there as well in the, in the southern part of, of California, all the way down in Orange County. So thanks for listening. I'm Eric Hallaby. Dr. Irene, thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed this conversation. We'll be back next week. Stay with us at this time every week about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money planning for your future. 888-99-RETIRE. On AM870, The Answer, it's the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with us. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.